like the the bad influence when it came to like oh he would like listen to like a blink 182 song about like jerking a dog off or whatever and like that was that was where i got my kicks you know but like there is something viscerally different from the idea of like the blink 182 bad lyrics versus like i'm a fuck this girl lyrics you know yeah. what i mean yeah just explicit in multiple senses mm-hmm, mm-hmm. not just like describing through metaphor but just like no nah, i'm gonna i'm i'm gonna fuck this girl nate i have an Im- important question for you you are going to be you were supposed to be going on like a little mini tour right now right uh yeah i was supposed to be are you holding up am i holding up Mm-hmm. yeah I, I guess so it's been like I don't know. Quarantine's been very up and down. It's like I'll get my shit together for like two weeks and then like just fall off the face of the earth into like bad sleep patterns and drinking too much. And that was the last two weeks, but I'm on the, uh, I guess I'm on the upswing right now. I'm with you. I think everyone has had, and we've been going through it in different ways, but everyone has, has had a, a an uptick in drinking in quarantine followed by a this is not healthy to do in quarantine moment. Uh, I was, I, it, it's weird for me because like, I don't typically, I'm at my parents' house, so I don't typically drink a lot at my parents' house. Cause like, what am I going to do? Like get lit and watch Jeopardy. Like what is, <laughs> what is the, what is the event that we're doing over here? Most of the time when I'm drunk, my mom just like looks at me mean, I'm like, I can't believe that you did that in my house. That's when you scream about your childhood traumas and just get them all sorted out. Hell yeah, man. Well, you know, uh, my my family are lovely people who are very good at turning around that stuff on me. My mom is a better arguer than me. I'm normally really good at, like, I'm I'm good at, like, light arguing, like, lawyery arguing and de-escalation. And my mom knows that about me. And she knows how to push all the exact correct buttons to make me feel bad about the thing that I said that she said to me eight years ago. But yeah. uh, I I was drinking a little bit too much whenever I started doing my stream because I was like a it was like a performance enhancing drug to like make <laughs> me comfortable with talking to nobody. Um, and then I realized like, oh, if I'm going to be doing this three days a week for a month, I can't get drunk three days a week for a month, especially because like I've been doing like, I mean, I'm very lucky to be where I am, but I've been doing a lot of like labor with my dad, you know, like, oh, like, oh, we just finished building a fence. And that took us a long time to build a fence. Yeah. And uh, if you're drinking three days a week and you're getting drunker than you would be if you were not in quarantine, then you wake up the next day and you have to get up at eight o'clock to like, you know, be outside working on a fence until 4 p.m. You're not going to feel good. Yeah. I don't subscribe to the whole you can. I don't think there's any such thing as a hangover cure. Like, I don't Mm -hmm. think you can sweat it out. I don't think you can eat hash browns. There's there's no magic pill. I don't know. I just never found anything. I don't understand people whose hangovers like go away. Mine are usually most of the day affairs. 
That is how mine are now. And you know what? I, I've heard people say, I heard people say when I was younger, like, ah, oh, you get older, your hangovers get worse. And I was like, yeah, like when you're like 40, I didn't think when I was like 25, my hangovers were going to get significantly worse. But I, now when I'm hungover, I'm hungover all day. Can I tell you the weirdest hangover cure though, was when people say, oh, uh, you know what helps is when you drink a beer in the morning. I, I like beer. I like alcohol. Um, if I'm hungover and it's nine in the morning and you try and give me a beer, I will slam it out of your hands. Like, no way. No way. I know what I did wrong. Yeah. I, the only, I can only think of like maybe like a nice like coffee beer or something would be the mm -hmm. only acceptable thing. Like a Guinness Extra Stout is a, a good daytime beverage because it kind of just tastes like a weak cold brew mixed with beer. I feel like if anybody has had this drink, it's you. So I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to pitch it to you. Have you had the Pabst Blue Ribbon coffee drink? No, but I have had the PBR hard seltzer. Is that good? Because I've heard the, that the, their alcohol coffee thing is really good, actually. I've heard that the coffee thing is like a, a Yoohoo. Is that how you say it? I don't know how to yeah, say Yeah, I, I think things. it's kind of like a Yoohoo. I haven't had um, it, but I heard this from Drew. He told me it was really good. The hard seltzer is delicious. So I was, I was up in, um, I was working in Wyoming for a little bit in the fall, and they had it up there at like, I was right on the border of Montana, and they had this gas station that I would sometimes go to. Um, and then when I got back here, I was like, oh no, like, where's the PBR hard seltzer? I love that stuff. And it turns out like Montana was just like a test market for it. Um, and it's not like statewide, but it's like 8% and it's a tall boy and you, you can get like, I don't know, you can get pretty good off like two. Um, <laughs> it tastes, it tastes better than a lot of like the seltzers. It actually do tastes you, like, do you a, like the seltzers? Drink. Are you a seltzer fan? I drink them. I don't know. It's tough to say. Like I'll I'll get them at a bar because I don't I don't do beer anymore because um, mm -hmm. of celiac disease. So sometimes it's nice to have like a you know the, a, a can uh, of something. A seltzer is also like it shares a the seltzer shares a quality with a beer, which is like it has the same bubbliness. Yeah, that beer that, does. yeah. It's like in this. I don't know. You just don't go through it as fast as like a little mixed drink. That's probably another problem in my drinking. Is yeah, I like quit drinking beer so it's just like mm -hmm. it, if it's something it's it's usually like liquor or red wine both of which are like the worst hangovers probably yeah i i uh i don't drink wine for the for the fact that the hangover is so much worse like all that sugar i don't drink sugary drinks normally it's interesting because whenever i started drinking i think a lot of people are like this like whether you start drinking when you're 21 or when you're 15 you're like boy get me on those ciders right and yeah. then you start drinking enough to realize that like a cider makes you your body feel a lot worse than drinking a beer. Yeah, you so know much I mean? sugar. It's it reminds me. Um, so I I I like Diet Coke and I like Coke Zero and I know that that is an unpopular opinion, but I don't like regular Coke because Coke makes my shoulders hurt. I can't explain it any better way than that. It's like the sugar makes my shoulders into my neck hurt. And hard ciders do the same thing to me, except I will give the caveat old world ciders like the like mead style ciders that you can get at like a cidery sometimes. Those are pretty cool. I, I mean, but it's also like it's not even necessarily that I like drinking it because it's good. It's like I like to drink it and be like, I'm a Viking. Yeah, American. That's the problem with American ciders. They're like the or the the mainstream ones that you can find in any bar tend to be like insanely sweet. Um, that's not really like the global tradition. Like if you go to France, their cider is in like a, it comes in like a champagne bottle with a cork and it's only like usually like two to 3%. And 
and it kind of just like tastes like a like champagne, but nowhere near as alcoholic. And you can like you down. know, I think you can get something like that at IKEA. They have a yeah. a, a cider that is like it's like one percent. I've never had it because when I go to IKEA, I want that. Uh, they have like a is it boysenberry soda? They have like a I don't know if you can hear my dogs are just going fucking crazy right now, um, but they have like a. I don't know. They have they have like their own version of like a berry cola that I, I, I really enjoy. I love IKEA. I go to IKEA as often as I can just for the food. I've love never never been to one. Well come to Atlanta. I will I will take you to IKEA. I will treat you to IKEA. It's very generous. When are you gonna come to you? Atlanta? When are you gonna come hang out? You know you can always stay on my couch. Yeah, I gotta look at a fucking job and maybe there's jobs there. I don't know. I gotta do There's pick. jobs. It has a we have a we have a very decent job market in Atlanta. I gotta find a job soon. Don't yeah, it's the it's the move. I gotta I don't know. I didn't. Uh, that's another thing that happened during quarantine is I did not get into. Uh, I found out I did not get into grad school, which I pretty much spent the whole winter working on and invested like a grand in like application fees and stuff. Mm-hmm. What is it like to get into? Because you're doing creative writing, right? Yeah. Uh, what what is the grad school application process like for something like that? I know, like for for me, if I were to go to grad school, I would ha- have to like have like like a like a, a film or something to show somebody. But what is the process for you like? Yeah, it's. Um, they say that most of it, most of the weight is put on your writing sample. And your writing sample is usually um, for like fiction, prose, or nonfiction. It's like uh, usually twenty to thirty pages, double spaced, which is not not a lot. Yeah, that's not an insane amount of stuff to write. I have I have written more than that out of boredom, though it would not be to the par or quality, even even to get me into like a like a middle school creative writing class, probably. Yeah, it's it's insanely exclusive. Did you did you write a specific thing that you sent to all the schools that you applied to, or did you did you tailor it for different schools? I I tailored it. I, so I put this is my second time applying, and so I put like a ton of work in, like on tailoring everything, like really kissing ass. Are you gonna go back to it? Or are you gonna try and apply again in another semester or so? Or uh, uh, I think or probably think? taking like at least like a year off from it just because i've done it two years in a row and i just don't feel Mm -hmm. like incorporating that cycle of disappointment into my um seasons um you know it's like we have christmas and then we have a grad school rejection and then we have (laughs) uh father's day um so well you know like you're uh a number one you're getting into a a university's program to to do writing does not invalidate uh you know the writing you've done if you don't get in you know, I know that you write for some people write like to get published and some people write to pontificate. And I think some people write because they just like to write. And uh, at least as far as your music is concerned, uh, you're a person who seems to write because you like to write and grad school can't take that away from you. And also, you know, it probably feels like two years in a row, you didn't get into grad school. Like, I feel pretty shitty about this. Am I like wasting my time have i wasted my life doing this thing i'm sure that i'm sure that that is probably you're you have the mental fortitude to not for that to not be all consuming to you but i'm sure that the the thought has crossed your mind and you've got 40 more years probably around that yeah and uh and you'll you'll get to grad school in that time and you'll get into a good grad school and when you get into a program you're gonna be like oh i'm glad that i didn't get into those two other years worth of programs because like this is the right experience for me 
Yeah, hopefully. I think with a little more like professional experience, I can catch up to the to the daddy's money people and uh I don't know. So that's probably what I'm looking to do now is get some kind of like professional experience that'll look better. All right, Nate, can I ask you a really interesting question? Uh yeah. Okay, do you think that there is like a obviously there is can, can, there's no isn't this is not conspiratorial to say that like there is an upper echelon of people who get to go wherever they want because of the their status of their families or whatever like we knew that 15 years ago and then like two years ago it was like openly you know broken up and proven and everybody was like gasp how did that happen and you're like oh just because that's how the system is set up yeah i forgot about that do you think that there is some dark underbelly that is secretly keeping you out of out of grad school do you think that they think that you're too powerful <laughs> um i don't know uh i think if i had to like pin it on anything i mean you you have a shred of possible truth there like personally i think that writing departments like trend very conservative like in what they want you to write about like it's it's you're supposed to have like these big like grand journeys like about like self-discovery and like stuff like that is what they like in fiction not stuff that's like social politics which is a lot of like what i sometimes write about in like fiction and uh the cia if you look it up the cia actually like helped fund at one point the iowa writers workshop which is like the biggest um creative writing uh mfa program in the country specifically to like well allegedly to like help uh sort of blunt the edge of political creative writing there has been a culture war that like there there's a part of the culture war that is like above ground that is very uh I, you know we know that we're the man and and we know that the the left agenda and those who are trying to uproot and overthrow things we're gonna we're gonna silence them where we can in a capacity of you know in a in a cia capacity but then there's also like a Everything that we know about that, all the information about stuff like that that comes out five to 50 years later about stuff like that. To me, a lot of that stuff is like, oh, that is uh, that is the bone that they are throwing you to make you feel like you had some sort of moral victory. I personally, I, I, I ascribe to the belief that like there is there is definitely a group of people who are controlling things a lot more closely than we realize, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and that has been proven over and over again. And every time that it's proven... To me, it just says like, oh, we're actually we're just one layer deeper than into this than we thought, you know? Yeah. The uh, with the Iowa thing, I think it's it's sort of like somewhere in between there. Like that was I I'm not 100 percent sure I'm accurate, but it was like pretty much like the first school and uh, for like a master's creative writing, like really thorough program. And because it's also the biggest, like it takes on like almost like five times more students than most programs. It like. Um, has like a very wide nationwide reach. So like as sort of MFA programs were developing, a lot of the staff were coming out of this workshop that like curated a very specific kind of like NPR friendly. Like you think of like the tone and the cadence of like fiction you'll hear read on like NPR. And it's like uh, that kind of just very, very liberal, not in a bad way, but just, uh, you know, like I said, like self self exploration. Are do you want to go ahead and publicly come out against Terry Gross? Do you think that we should? Is that what we're <laughs> going to try and take down on the show today? Are we taking down Terry? Terry's Terry's okay. She can she can stay. 
Okay, well, I want to, okay, let me just, like, I want to pitch this to you because I think that, I mean, I know we're sort of off on a tangent, but, like, think about this, right? So that is, that is one, one sort of, like, revealed portion of the, uh, the picture of, like, you know, government interference. I'm just going to largely say, I'm not going to attribute it to a a certain agency. I'm just going to say government interference, right? Yeah, static. It's, it is crazy to think that, that, that there is also not that same level of government interference anywhere else where culture is made in a place where it is is very easy for the government to infiltrate into that space so like you know think back to like the Harvard lampoon there had to be a point where the the the, the US government looked at the culture that was developing in the Harvard lampoon and said you know we should at least have like a monitor here like we we yeah. can have somebody and and they have the the resources to like put somebody on a writing staff over the course of a year or two years and make it seem completely natural and then you have something like that happen and you know you have somebody that is maybe seems radical but you know a lot of like the the like people who are working are like you know i'm not gonna say like spies you know but like the double agent of oh yeah i can come in here and i can be uh very cool and and collected and seem like i'm on the side of these uh these people who have this radical agenda but but just enough to like damper whenever they want to like talk about like real social reform and real social justice like what i mean we don't know that conan o'brien didn't earn his spot on you know, late night television by like coming in and like sh- silencing the voices <laughs> of, of, I mean, I'm like, it's, it's a silly thought, but it's like a thought exercise, yeah. but stuff like that happens. Yeah. Right. Like that's not, that's not a joke. And, and it, people used to think that was a joke. And now we just like look back in the past and like, oh, that stuff just always happens. Yeah. And these days, like with the so much like gutting of like public funding, people are like this power can often work like in increasingly softer ways to where like people are reliant on like foundations and grant money and um, uh, what do they call it? Resident artist residencies and stuff like that, where they often like. Um, the people making the selections do have like um, sort of a debt to pay to the people that are like funding it um, who are often, you know, like rich and like at best, like lukewarm centrist liberals, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so with the gutting of like public funding, I mean, Mark Fisher, uh, this philosopher dude writes a lot about this. Um, it's just like without with this increasingly like nonprofit industrial complex that everything's like reliant on millionaires pretty much it like creates a more conservative outward facing culture when it comes to media yeah you know i actually i had this a very similar thought the other day where i was like you think it's somebody like like i remember like 10 years ago i heard like oh you know bill gates is fighting malaria and like 10 years ago i was a person who's like oh that's tight bill gates is tight right but now i'm like you just you're if you're if you if you get bill gates money you're playing the game there's no way you can have good intentions but you're playing the game and there's a game to be played and that game changes yeah i mean he could just build like the world's biggest mosquito zapper and like end all malaria but you know he's not yeah people say like uh, look at these xyz number of dollars and like I, i i'm not i'm not i know that there are certain people who will say like well, you know, that's only this portion of his income. And like, I, I understand that if I were a rich person, I would I would keep a lot of my money. You know what I mean? But I think that like to become the Bill Gates, you become a person who's going to like it becomes it, it like like wealth changes you and like morphs you and like changes your belief system. I think that that's pretty universal. Yeah. I don't really think that there's a way to escape it. I think that the best people, you know, it's like, you know, you can't 
you can't thread a rich man through a through a camel eye. Right. The Bible. The Bible. Anyway. Yeah, like I'm um, writing I'm writing a piece right now. I'll like plug my zine, but my next zine is going to have like a piece on like the the new Star Wars trilogy and kind of looking at it from like that angle of culture. Yeah, and I saw your tweets too. I was like, damn, this is interesting. Yeah, slightly related. You know, that's to one of the Disney. reasons I like you. Is you always change. You change my perspective, Nate. You know, you. Uh, I mean, I like to. I like to think that we uh, we occupy a similar thread as far as like, you know, we're not we're not too terribly far away from each other on the political compass. Probably not that I think that that like. That does not change my opinion about you or invalidate our friendship. If you weren't, you you can talk to me about something and be like oh, I get that, like I feel that. But there are also things that I read. I'm like, oh yeah, like I I didn't even think about that. Like thank you for informing me that that is the thing that I even need to be thinking about. <laughs> thank you. Talk to me about your zines. Um, what are your zines about? I mean, they're all kind of all over the place right now. I mean, uh, I guess that's how most zines are. But most, it's usually just like compilations of like short stories and essays that I've written. Uh, sometimes like serial stories, like I was recently doing like a short story about. It kind of all centers on like Lyft and like the gig economy and stuff. And I'm working on like part three of that right now. So that's just another example of how I'm, I'm too political for the MFA industrial complex because I wrote about lift signs and cars. Um, but sometimes I do, like, how-tos and stuff. Like, once I did, like, a how-to on how to make, like, uh, muscadine wine at home, I do interviews with bands. Yeah, brother. Um, do interviews with just, like... I've done interviews with podcasters before. Um, Hell yeah, bring me on. Yeah. Bring me on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotta, gotta get all the podcasters. I haven't done an interview in I will a while. say that I am... Can I can I tell you about something? I think that you'll uh, you'll it, you'll at the very least identify with with this about me, right? So I got into the entertainment industry. I I I hesitate to say that I currently work in the entertainment industry because not only has the entire entertainment industry shut down, but like two months before the entertainment industry shut down, I was like, I don't I don't even know that I want to do this. Like this this sucks. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's not like the hours are rough and you get yelled at but i think that like the main reason that i'm like hesitant to go back it's not like those things don't bother me it's just like oh i'm just i'm a part of a piece of a machine that's just making rich people richer and like i you know you know I, i'm in a position right where where i have been a pa um for a while and the way that like and this is just like a sort of a uh, uh, a way that like the class war is perpetuated by the entertainment industry where like you have to be a PA for XYZ period of time before you can do anything else in entertainment. Yeah. I'm not going to like name any specific names, but even like very like the the children of very famous uh, people who are in Hollywood, like you you tend to have to spend some time as a PA. Yeah. The thing is, is like PA rates are really rough and you work so many hours that you can't even really have another job while you are a PA and you tend to have to be a PA for two to three or four years. You're, I mean, you're lucky you can move up earlier than that, but I would say at the very least for two years, you know? Yeah. And before you can even move up to like a slightly lower position, a slightly less low position than that. Well, if you are a person who is struggling or who 
has kids or who has chronic health problems or has, you know, a family that they have to support in some other way. Like you just, you're just not going to, you're not going to be able to live off of $700 a month and you're never going to make or $700 a week. And you're never going to make it in the entertainment industry. And, uh, you know, people who are in those positions who become writers and producers and directors, they say, well, you know, I paid my dues because I was a PA. And you're like, yeah, well, you were, you were a PA and maybe, Maybe, you know, you you lived in a one bedroom apartment with three other people for a little while while you were doing that. But like that does not invalidate the fact that there is a huge percentage of people who can't even get to this position that you are. in. Yeah. And and not to say that like uh, there's obviously even past that there's a huge amount of nepotism. And not that I like I'm not even say I completely disagree with the idea of nepotism. Right. Like I would hire my nephew if I thought my nephew was going to be good at something and I would stick my neck out for him one time. You know what I mean? Yeah, one. And like, I don't, I don't think that that is a, I don't think that that is a bad trait because it's a, an industry that spreads by word of mouth. But like, I, I still do realize that on a level that that is also problematic. You know what I mean? If, if there was like some other method of entry into it, if there was a way to bring outside voices into the mix, it would make me feel a lot less bad. But mostly like I work on a movie that is like, uh, you know, I work on a, a movie that is, um, you know, politically conscious and uh, and uh, and has a good message. And at the end of the day, no matter who directed it and wrote it and who starred in it, like there's a there is a a wealthy one percent that that movie is making richer that just makes it harder for any of that. Like, I mean, we pontificate to one another like, oh, that is. Ah uh, yes, clap, clap, clap! What a what a nice job that we did helping poor people yeah. by making a movie about poor people. And you're like, well, you just you just you're you're just widening the income gap when you do that, you know? Yeah, I wonder what the I don't know what the budget was on Parasite, but it had to be pretty insane. Yeah, right. And I mean, like, I think that there's good people that make movies. I'm not saying that, and I I I think that some people you know, are inside that industry and say, like, I want to change the industry. But like, at the end of the day, like, can you can you change an industry that you're supporting by making those people wealthier? Yeah, I I think that it's a hard question to ask. I think that, you know, the internet gave rise to independent media for like, five years. And then all of a sudden, like, big media got word of that. And they were like, we got to shut it down. I I 100% believe that like, Disney Plus exists to uh, stifle the voice of other people who are making media in, in, in similar realms. And I'm not talking about Netflix because fuck Netflix. You know what I mean? I mean, no, no sorry. I love Netflix. <laughs> I love Netflix and I think that Netflix is a great company. Anyway, other companies say, I'm going to call it n- net mo- movies. Net movies. I'm going to call it net movies. Like a company like net movies. Right. And, and, you know, they're trying to shut. It's just so fucked up that like a company that is so huge is just trying to take down this other huge company that is trying to take down this other huge company that is just a little bit smaller. That's trying to like take down YouTube who are trying to like take down people who are not famous on YouTube yet. And the people who are not famous on YouTube yet are just like, I'm just trying to show a video on how to make a casserole. Yeah. You know what I mean? It just like the, the, it just compounds the level of shitting on people. It's like, yeah, I got my YouTube video removed because three weeks ago, uh, you know, I accidentally had my ringtone go off and somebody heard boom, boom, pow by the black eyed peas in the back of one of my videos and some computer algorithm that's scrubbing my videos ended up monetizing my video and, and having an advertisement for the new 
Kesha album come on yeah you know what I mean yeah I mean it's just it's just an age where it's very hard to just like do anything without like uh, comparing yourself to other people both from like a corporate level because they do that shit and I mean I don't know we do we do it too you know yeah I think it's also it's dangerous to be like we make independent media so we're righteous you know what I mean yeah independent media fucking sucks like (laughs) but you constantly have to check yourself on stuff like that I think that like you're going to step on some toes good by being like just by being like independent that's like that's why i think like fucking like diy doesn't mean like shit anymore independent like barely means shit i mean it's been that way for a very long time but it's just like so what like um Mm -hmm. i don't know it's uh that's a that's a toughie yeah and you know what people are like support diy and i'm like i I know that you have you have poor malaysian children printing your zines nathan yeah this is a sting this is why i brought you on you got me um i pay them in uh used chewing gum um that i scrape off bitcoin a very small amount of yeah uh tiny slices of bitcoin that i pee on first um you know part of that is like i mean that's part of the reason that i decided that i wanted to make more stuff even if it means making less money and I mean, I'm not making anything for anyone to watch or listen to. You know, I started doing a stream to nobody because I I like, I mean, you know me, we have, we have been involved. I am a creator. I'm a person who makes things. And you know that like, when you're a person who makes things, you like have to make things. And if you don't make things, you like, it like takes a toll on your mental health. Yeah. Cause you're, so, you know, like when you're working 70 hours a week, you can't just go make stuff. You know what I mean? So I just, I decided I wanted to make something and I'm not, I'm not particularly interested in people watching or consuming or subscribing to the things that I make. With that being said, please rate and review this <laughs> podcast on Apple Podcasts. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I'm not I'm not interested in in growing something to make me feel better about myself. I'm interested in like having a voice in a in a world where it is uh it is increasingly like voices are increasingly homogenized. Yeah. I'm at least interested in throwing a cog into that and saying, no, I'm gonna this is my voice and I'm not like, fuck you. Yeah. I just have a Patreon. That's how you know I, what I mean? That's how the zine kind of started out initially was it was just like a, a really just like an exercise because I fell out of like writing a lot after college and wanted to like get into it again. And then I like pushed myself really hard on it. And I was supposed to do like six issues last year, which is kind of insane. And I ended up doing just like four, but I still did four and I kind of... That's still crazy. That's a lot for one person to write and create and put out. And, you know, it takes a lot of planning to do that thing outside of the world of writing, you know? For every page of content that you put out, I'm sure there was 15 pages of non-put out content. Yeah, and now I'm working on, like, I kind of know the form a little bit better and, like, what I like about it, so I'm taking more time to, like, uh, just, like, be a little bit more deliberative about, like, putting the next ones together, if that makes sense. Mm Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. no one's buying them anyway, so what's the rush to put out like six a year? You know, like yeah, but also like you're honing a craft. Yeah, yeah you know yeah. what I mean. Like, and, and I mean, I'm not saying you're honing a craft for somebody to buy down the line because I don't really think that's what you're doing it for. I think you're the kind of person who makes stuff to make stuff. Like I said, right? But like, yeah, I also make stuff so, to get so famous. Nice. It just hasn't like happened yet. Um, and I'll totally turn on everybody once I make it. But hell yeah, I just want to get rich <laughs> so I can act like I don't know nobody. Yeah, riff raff quote exactly. I'm going to come back here and uh, no one actually, I'm just going to come back here and no one will know my name still. 
Um, and that's fine. Except for like, I don't know, maybe the mayor will like throw a shoe at me and say, I will be, I will be shouting. I know Nathan Morona until the day I die. Be like, you know, Nathan, I know Nathan Morona. And my grandkids are gonna be like, nobody knows who that is, dad. That was a singer from like the 2030s. Stop it. You're <laughs> old. Get out of here. Be like, we only like Ed Sheeran as far as retro music goes. Yeah, I think I Ed this... Sheeran and Kanye West are going to be the two artists that, uh, Survive our generation. I have uh, a video essay about that. I, I can't do Ed Sheeran. I love Kanye. I just can't do Ed. I don't, mm. I don't know why. He's got that tiny guitar and like his stupid head and mostly his tiny guitar and like his fake homeless story. Maybe he was homeless. I don't know. I will say I am a tiny guitar man. I, I see a, a half size or a three quarter size guitar and I'd be like, mm, give me that. Yeah, but you but know that seems, that's because that's seems, for force perspective. It seems to like be like a coordinated effort with his whole like I am like with his whole like this guy fucks routine. Like I don't know, it's like something uniquely mid two thousands, like slightly akin to a ukulele, maybe. Like he, he he's an incel. I'm just gonna say it. Ed Sheeran is actually mm-hmm. an incel. Ed Sheeran does not fuck. Um, <laughs> I could I imagine like, you know, like, okay, you've heard these stories about like John Mayer, like bringing back like, you know, 10 women at a time from his concert into his like hotel room and like having like these big sex parties or whatever. I imagine Ed Sheeran tries to do the exact same thing and everybody who picks comes back and they like, he starts flirting with them. He's like, yeah, I actually wrote shape of you about xyz or whatever and he's like do you want to see my tiny guitar and they're like yeah and they're like enamored and then he's like so uh do you want to uh and they just look at him like uh you're ed sheeran okay king of the incels i, I can't break that for you <laughs> yeah Nate, like, can i ask uh, you a question really quick that this is super important would you ironically cover an ed sheeran song I don't think I could. I mean, I can't even name one off the top of my head, honestly. Is he British or is he Irish? He's got to be British because he's fucking I, yeah, I think dumb. he's British. Yeah. Um, I will say he he does like, okay, I don't hate Ed Sheeran's music. Like, I mean, I'm not, I'm not a fan of Ed Sheeran's music. But the, he does this interesting thing where like, and you can only do this when you're like a hyper rich famous person. He'll just do kind of a rap song. Or like kind of be on a rap song, not as a singer, but kind of as a rapper. And it's never particularly good. And then a news outlet will be like, OMG, did you know Ed Sheeran raps? Here's here's Ed Sheeran's nine spiciest <laughs> bars. Yeah, like I guess you could throw like him in post Malone. Like I guess, um, I don't know. Uh, if, I had to, if I had to pick two, I'm going to go with that like define the whole shtick that we're living. I'm going to say Kanye and Lana. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick it with that. Yeah, I think like... It is not, I don't even think anybody's arguing that like people love and hate Kanye West and that is just going to lend to his like status as a universal icon 30 years from now. I don't know that anyone else is going to live on in the way that Kanye West does. I appreciate Kanye West. I like Kanye West music and I appreciate Kanye West once again as like a person who just like shows me that some people believe that stuff. People will be like, how do you, you know, how can you consume that Kanye West media knowing that you're feeding into this machine? And you're like, because I know that I'm feeding into the machine, <laughs> right? Like, I'm not like, I'm like, I feel like I've been red-pilled to Kanye West. Like, yeah, this is just how, it's just, someone has got to do this in culture. And I, if I if I argue about it, I'm just not going to know what people are talking about. Yeah. I heard someone's theory that, like, he's actually, like, I think it was Sturgill Simpson. He was on a podcast I listened to. And his theory is that Kanye is, like, actually, like, doing the longest gear up to, like, a real run for president. And he's, like, slowly checking off, like, demographics. Like, he's, you know, most of us would probably still vote for him. And then, like, he, he got the MAGA people. 
Then he moved on to Christians. I don't know what's next. Like Muslims, is he going to like convert to Islam? That would be pretty funny. I'm trying to think of whatever other big demographics are out there. Um, uh, do you think that? Do you think that Kanye West has the heart of the Zoomers? Do I mean I I I did not feel old until I found out that like like people who are Gen Z universally do not like Kanye West. I just figured is that everybody like the liked one, Kanye West. The one just younger than us. Yeah. Yeah. Which I don't believe in. I don't believe in defining things by those arbitrary barriers. People argue yeah, like, oh, I mean, I'm not, like, oh, no, no. If you're born in 1995, you're not a millennial. You're like, they know we're a not lot of rappers. They know a lot of rappers that I don't. I will say that. Um, I don't have time to like sift through them all. I don't even listen. I don't even have time to listen to like fucking bands. You know. I just got a text from Newt Gingrich um, asking me uh, to register to vote um, because it looks <laughs> it looks like I'm not registered. Um, haven't heard from Newt in a while, but I uh, you slid. Newt tight. Yeah, he slides in the DMs on occasion when he's feeling lonely, but it's been a little bit. I imagine like a like a late night three in the morning phone call. Newt Gingrich called me. Like, you know what I like about you, Nate? Not afraid to speak. Okay, so. I feel like this is important. I feel like we need to do this, okay? What's the weirdest thing you believe, Nate? I had to think about it a lot. Um, it's like a bunch of weird res- stuff that's like uh, half related to like biology and genetics and like half like spirituality shit. And Fuck uh, yeah, dude. That's what this podcast is about. Please hit me with it. It's about half spirituality shit? Half spirituality, half biology. Like, I mean... I had to think about this, like, what is the weirdest thing that I believe? Some people can't think of a weird thing that they believe. I can think of very few not weird things that I believe. We are are an energy signal being received by dormant matter somewhere from a broadcast of another unit. Like, all that, yeah, I I probably believe a lot of that, but but I'm, you know, I, I, I want your perspective on it all. Yeah, well, I guess, like, a lot, I mean, I'm, like, annoyingly rational person for the most part, and, like, I'm, you know, I'm pretty into, like, Marxism and like material analysis of the world and stuff and like most things I feel like most like macro level stuff like economics and culture and all that that's pretty like easily explainable even the weird stuff that happens in there but like stuff more stuff you know personal things like mental illness and like personal tastes and why we kind of do the things the small things that we do that's like a lot more mysterious i guess and i guess for a long time i believed in like kind of like you know the whole nature versus nurture dichotomy that you're like 50 percent upbringing and like 50 percent you know environment but like i i guess i'm like not so sure anymore and kind of in thinking about it like it's almost like nature plays like these these little experiments on our genetics i guess you could think of you could think of like your parents and then your siblings say like each one of your siblings i think is like nature doing some kind of fucked up experiment like based on your parents like genetics and also experience Mm -hmm. um so like 
for instance, like say something, there's like a particular like stress that like say your father had um, that maybe he didn't even acknowledge or was able to like cope with well, like you were, your genetics are kind of like primed to seek out like a different solution to that. So I think that my dad is like, you know, was like a real, is like a really good worker, like uh, very dedicated and all that stuff. But also like he incurs like a lot of like stress that like never really gets addressed or anything. Um, and I think that maybe like I am some kind of freak genetic experiment and like trying out ways to circumnavigate that kind of problem, you know, and that other siblings like turned out differently. Like I have a brother who's, you know, more into, was always more into like, uh, like partying and drugs and like, you know, just like the kind of normie, normie underbelly of culture, um, you know, so that was maybe like an attempt to like alleviate or fix some kind of genetic issues. Not that I think like genetics like know what is like happening. Like you can't, you can't show like genetics like a cheeseburger and it knows what a cheeseburger is. Like if you eat enough cheeseburgers, it's going to leave some kind of like imprint on those genetics, if that makes sense. Like they don't recognize the objects that we see and touch and feel and do, but they gather some kind of data from it. Okay, can I, let me let me pitch this to you. Maybe this is not exactly concurrent with what you believe, but I will say, you know, when you say that it feels sort of like nature versus nurture as being like two dichotomies and two opposite patterns, right? I think that at least for me personally, it makes more sense to view like nurture as a just another aspect of nature. And genetics say one thing, right? And and genetics is just the language of the, the nature of like the way that things evolve. I don't think genetics are trying to make the party animal and then also make the zinester. You know, personally, I think that the universe is sort of one giant large living organism and uh, everything that we do is sort of a reflection of what is happening in in the greater universe. One of my favorite writers and philosophers, Alan Watts, said that, that you are the universe experiencing itself, right? So when you say that, like, you don't think that your genetic code looks at a cheeseburger and knows what a cheeseburger is, I can agree with that. But I also think the universe looks at a cheeseburger and knows what a cheeseburger is because you are the universe. So in that way, like, we are constantly making decisions that inform how things are going to evolve, especially now we have, like, come into our own sense of awareness. I don't particularly think that that was an accident. Like, I think that we we sort of exist as couriers of the universe. And I think that uh, if we are going to use genetic modification, for example, to make the tastiest cheeseburger, I don't think that that goes against the will of God or the universe. I think that is the universe saying, we need to have a tastier cheeseburger because my eyes and ears and nose, which is the people who are making cheeseburgers, relayed that information to me and, you know, and are making it happen. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. I don't, I don't do like, I don't do God, bro. Yeah, I guess it's some kind of, I believe in like some kind of like micro Darwinian force that makes us choose to do stupid things. Like, I guess you could say like, I don't know if this is on par. There's a lot of data to sift through. Um, but like, so you could say like attraction uh, to like sexual partners for the purpose of reproduction that's like about normally or, or you could say that it's like I don't know people don't often know like why they're attracted to the people they're attracted to um, mm -hmm. or like types of people but I think it has something to do at least in cases of like heterosexual relationships like nature trying to like continue bettering its experiment with you or, or maybe, not, maybe not better but it's like uh, you are a hypothesis right you're some kind of like evolutionary hypothesis that spun off from your parents 
And it's like, well, what if we, like, test these things out? And then, like, when it comes to, like, reproduction, it's like, well, what if we, like, take your hypothesis further, deepen this experiment, take it to the next level, and that's, like, what kids are. Sometimes. I would say that's in, like, good good compatible pairings of, like, happy yeah, marriages, Yeah, you say that, guess, is, that, is say. The, that is the optimal result of, like, the general condition. I yeah. wouldn't say... I think some people would say that that does not happen very often. I think that it probably happens more often than not. The experiment is somewhat of a success, at least in the sense that that child is also going to produce some level of, you know, there will be some form of proliferation. Yeah. And whether that proliferation doesn't even have to be have kids. I think that there is a part of the universe that knows that we need zines. And something has to fill that niche. And if you want to call it cultural evolution, or if you want to call it an omniscient force, I don't I don't necessarily think that those things are different. I think that, that those, those are, in, in some lights, those are synonyms. I think that they made a Nate Morona. Something turned to that and was like, because your zines, I mean, you could argue that, that your zines could in, in some way help you like to proliferate and propagate and make tiny Nates. Largely like, even if that's the case, those Nates don't just exist to populate and and make more indefinitely, there has got to be some sort of point, right, that they occupy their own niche. And, and part of that niche is going to carry the zinester DNA in them. I think you just... I think you just said that zinesters get a lot of pussy in, like, the most <laughs> academic way. It's true. You can look at the numbers, Nate. <laughs> the stats. Yeah, I guess, I guess, in yeah, in some degree. And it's, like, it's interesting to think about, like, I guess that's where, like, unhappy marriages or unhappy partnerships or, like, kids born out of those situations come in. Like, why are they, like, often unhappy or struggling? Because I just, I just look at, like, people who come from, like, happier relationships and like kids who come from happier relationships than my own and they just like tend to be like happier perhaps because the experiment was like the hypothesis was continued correctly or at least the ingredients mixed were like some kind of formula and not just like mismatch people trying yeah, to Yeah, then you also you there's a part of you that has to ask yourself, okay, why is negativity Propagated, you know. When I say negativity, I don't know that that's the right word. Why is there like a like like this is obviously some sort of like if the universe is some sort of like mathematical experiment, you know, that like a random amount of data was randomly put into an uh, an equation and until it produced self-propagating information, which is essentially what we are. Is there going to be a part where, like, where the equation becomes efficient enough to, like, remove the grief and the suffering from that? Like, is that where we're headed? I, I think that generally that the universe is on a positive track. I know that, like, you know what? Right now we might be going through some tough shit, you know what I mean? That's absolutely true. No one's going to deny that we're going through tough shit, but, like... This tough shit is stuff that we're like way better equipped to deal with than we would have been equipped to handle it 50 years ago. You know what I mean? By that measure, the grief that we are experiencing is is mitigated. Like obviously more points of grief will continue to be introduced. At some point, do you see the universe figuring out how to like propagate without that that sense of suffering? No, I think that's I mean, I think that's kind of up to like us. Like I I I agree on like some points there. Like I think this the whole COVID thing would have been like a lot tougher, more impactful like fifty like years ago or whatever. It's it's still really bad, and I don't know. It's it, I guess it's just like tough to say that like just because things get like studied more, that we have like better tech technology, even in like a low tech way, has 
Like, down to the form of, like, what, like, trash removal, houses, you know, running water, stuff like that. It's it's all become, like, very essential just to, like, the society that we operate with. And just because a lot of those things have, like, improved, that doesn't mean, like, people have, like, better access to them. Like, I feel like, I feel like there's this, like, huge divide between, like, tech advancement and tech access. Mm-hmm. I'll just, I'll just give a little vignette and then you can, you can quip in. Uh, but, like, yesterday I went to, like, Lowe's to get, like, some... My roommate wanted to get, like, some planters and shit. And I was, like, wearing a mask and everything. I was, like, going to be, like... I hadn't really gone out to, like, a store in a while. And uh, I was just walking through the parking lot. And this old man just, like, flags me down. He's, like, you know anything about cars? And I was, like, uh... Like, a little bit. What's up? He's, like, my car won't start. And he had, like, a push-button start car. Like, very new. And he was, like, very old. Like, probably at least 75, 80. And he just keeps, like, pushing the button and it won't start. And so, against my better judgment, I, like, got in his car and, like, tried pushing the button. And it just said, like fingerprint id incorrect or something i was like it's it's is this set up to your fingerprint he's like no it's set up my wife she has the keys and like this dude made me get in his car in like the middle of a pandemic because he like couldn't figure out like the he doesn't understand how like new age cars work but he's like one of the few people who can afford them like i don't know anyone my age that has like a fingerprint sensitive fucking like car i don't know that kind of like blew my mind i don't know how that relates at all but it just seemed like really strange there's this old ass dude had like better tech but like didn't because he had like a retirement fund probably and like also didn't know how to operate it you know at all yeah and i mean like i i agree that part of the wealth disparity for one is people who are around for a long time tend to accumulate wealth right people who who are unable to accumulate wealth don't tend to remain around as long. That's just like the statistics of the situation. I know that might sound a little harsh, right? No, it's true. But you see like there are like, uh, you know, like my parents right now are better off than they have ever been. And my parents have more advanced technology than they have ever had. And they still have to have me set up all their technology. You know what I mean? Like I'm like that steward. Just to use this as an example, my parents just got a new Subaru and it has this like giant screen with a backup cam. It doesn't have like a fingerprint sensitive button or anything but it does have like a really big backup cam and my dad does not trust backup cams like he won't look at it like he's like no i can't trust it like you still gotta look around and i understand that you do have to look around when you have a backup camera right because you still have a blind spot but he just like does not look at the screen and it's like why do you have the screen (laughs) <laughs> like, shouldn't someone else have the screen then? You know what I mean? Yeah. But I will say, like, to to that to that general point where, like, you say, like, yes, there is a there is a a disparity between like the people who need things and the people who have things are are very different. You know what I mean? Yeah. Most of the time, like, obviously, if wealth were distributed more evenly, you know, it would be less of an issue. Uh, we have an increasingly large gap between our our classes, right? But. But you think about this, that that guy's fingerprint car in 20 years is going to be a piece of junk. Somebody's going to be like, Ugh. like my grandpa left me this yeah. fingerprint car. <laughs> yeah. And it doesn't even, I have to push a button and like yeah. it doesn't even look at your eyes. You yeah. know what I mean? And like there are definitely like kids in developing countries who have first gen iPads. You know what I mean? Yeah. 20 years ago, if you said that a kid in a developing world had the equivalent tech i mean the word wasn't even around ipad right it had like equivalent technology to this yeah, in 20 years pilot. yeah you would be like no way you know what i mean but obvi- it, obviously it does trickle down i mean look at like watch a documentary about like a developing nation and look at the clothes that they're wearing right they're all wearing like like j crew shirts from 2003 that someone has thrown away 
Because in, in a sense, that is still wealth. That is wealth that is accumulating and the gap is becoming larger. And that's a, something that we need to address. But like as far as the fact that like generally those things that are becoming better, though they might be, you know, a poorer person may not have access to them right now. There is at some point going to be a, you know, that will become the new standard for them. And I'm not saying like, I'm speaking in generalizations here because there's situations in which this doesn't happen for sure. I also think that this is, I think that if implemented correctly, this is the correct way for wealth to be divided as far as like, yes, people, somebody is going to get something and then eventually, you know, with the, the, the propagation of like the way that we, you know, are improving computing and stuff like that, that's going to increase the amount of return that we can get from something. And that's going to increase the efficiency of our computer systems uh, in a way that causes us to use less electricity. Eventually, somebody is going to have something better for that. We need to take better precautions as far as like making sure that people have the basic necessities that they need, because there are definitely kids in in developing worlds who have iPads who don't have water. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you distribute the the educational resources in the right way, that becomes less of a problem. I don't think it's ever not going to be a problem because, like I said, I think that there is a game that people like Bill Gates are playing and they can say that they're curing malaria all they want, but they're still playing that game. And, and maybe there is a way to take down that game. I would love if there was a way to take down that game. And uh, I think, honestly, I think that there there will be some form of like... I don't even want to call it revolution. I think that, you know, the way that we look at our economic system right now, if you just showed this economic system to somebody 300 years ago, they would not be able to make heads or tails of it. You know what I mean? Because there, it was just a different, it was a completely different world. I think eventually there will be some sort of next revolution in the same way that we had the internet as a revolution. And I think the internet was more disappointing of a revolution. Yeah. I think that like in, in 1999, people were like, holy shit, the internet is going to be, become, it's going to even the playing ground. Right. But I think without, without anyone even trying, eventually there is going to be some sort of yin and yang, like reversal of positions. There will be a time when people are much more equal and then there will be a time where another group of people comes into power and that power is going to be probably be even more all-powerful than it is right now which is pretty pretty damn all-powerful eventually just by you know the the law of fractal geometry and the way that everything turns around constantly like they're going to be taken out of power right yeah, that's, that's that's a that's a big grandiose. Like, I mean, I can say that all I want, but there's people who are starving, right? Who are like, great, but I need something right now. Yeah, I think that's why it's important that we take you know take care of one another. Generally, I don't have the, uh, and this is a privileged position, but I don't have um, I don't have like a I don't have a negative output on the track that society is on. And I'm hey, I'm ready for a healthy revolution. I'll be right there with you, Nate. Yeah, I, th I mean, I think we have, like, a lot of the, like, tools and resources. I guess just, like, all the point I was trying to get across is, like, genetics Genetics will never, like, improve your access if you're, like, born to, like, absolute fucking destitute poverty, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, I can agree with you. I also, I think we have pretty similar points. Like, I'm not, I don't even, I don't even think we necessarily disagree on this. You know what I mean? Yeah, you're one of them space commies. Yeah, um, I'm, uh, I'm also, please, please check out my zine, Space Commies. I'm coming, I printed, I printed 700 copies of Space Commies. My hands are completely black from all of the jet, the, the inkjet ink cartridges that, that are, that are covering them now. 
my roommates are all mad because our dining room table has been covered with space commies for three weeks as I get ready to send them out. Yeah, what's the uh, what's the what's the push uh, the pussy to like uh, zine print ratio these days? What's the exchange rate? Nate, do you have anything to promote? Uh, you can you can check out my band NASCAR Noir. Um, that's NASCAR like the sport, and then Noir N O I R. Uh, that's on Spotify and all that. Um, and then you can find my zines um, at nascarnoir.com. There's free uh, PDFs of some issues on the site. You can also order physical copies there. Hell yeah, though. Hit, hit us with that Twitter. Uh, Nate Morona. N-A-T-E. Nate. At Nate Morona. Can't forget the at. Um, in case there's any 80-year-olds listening and they don't know that you have to put the at. Um, yeah, Nate Morona. M-A-R-O-N-A. On the Twitter. Same on Instagram. Hell yeah, dude. Well, thank you so much for coming on to my my dumb program. And I, uh, I appreciate you. And I miss talking to you. And it's, uh, it's, it's good to hear from you, man. And I, I hope to have you back on again soon. We'll try and break you open and uh and by the time that you know this podcast is a year old uh, you're gonna be tinfoil hat adjacent yeah cool i'm down with that hey that was fun right high strangeness is an unfunny production our theme song is to wake up by crystal coast from the album three uh all the rest of the music you hear in our program is also by crystal coast if you have any questions or you just want to tell me some dumb shit email high at gmail.com you can find me al mirabella on twitter at at unfunny underscore official or you can follow our show at at high on twitter if you like the pod consider telling a friend or leaving a review on apple podcasts until next time folks stay safe stay stranger